Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. the Xfinity Studios at WVON. We're your original social media. You're listening to American Heroes, hosted by Cliff Curry on WVON AM 1690. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. And thank you, Cliff. This is America's Heroes Group Roundtable with Clean Energy Infrastructure, a partnership with Zodiac Solutions, LLC. Today is Saturday, October 2nd, 2021, and October is National Breast Cancer and Domestic Violence Awareness Month. The host, Cliff Kelly, thank you very much for your introduction. I'm Sean Claiborne, National Guard veteran, and our executive producer is Glenda Smith. And thanks to Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions, our digital media producer. Today's show, we have some great topics to talk about, and, we're, and as normal, we have a discussion with a few folks. So on our, on the, uh, later in our conversation, we're going to talk to Robert Howard, U.S. Navy veteran and president and CEO of Zodiac Solutions, but he's on, he's on the way. Later in the broadcast, we're going to talk to him, but currently we're going to talk to two guys that have something to say about energy and also the future of microgrids. So we have Robert Matthew, or sorry, Roderick Matthews, a U.S. Navy veteran and owner of Brevian Energy, specializing in microgrid technologies and renewable energy. And we also have Alexander Mobley. He's a clean energy solution specialist and also a U.S. Air Force veteran. So welcome, gentlemen. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you very much for having us today. Doing great today. Yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. So tell us about microgrid boot camps. What exactly is that about? Uh, so, uh, at Arizona State University, we had a microgrid boot camp that started off back in 2016 as a volunteer effort. And what we did, instead of having everyone enjoy a nice uh, leisurely spring break, we instead spent five days, eight hours a day, learning and uh, instructing about microgrids, all the way from uh, initial electrical concepts to policies, procedures, um, different infrastructure that needs to be in place, including a bunch of hands-on activities where we actually put solar panels and inverters and all the different equipment in the hands of the attendees. And this effort was initially done, like I said, as a volunteer effort, but it was primarily targeted at veterans. And I actually attended the very first one they put on, and after that point they hired me on to uh, help uh, improve the content and uh, manage their microgrid test bed. So it's uh, a pretty fun space. We pretty much spend 40 hours really diving into the various ins and outs of microgrids. Okay. And this will people understand a microgrid essentially is a self-sustaining, self-sufficient energy system, usually typically electricity. Am I, am I correct in that? Yes. Uh, the uh, key indication for the Department of Energy definition is that the microgrid needs to be able to be islanded or completely self-contained or also have the ability to connect to a grid in order to support the grid. 
for example, if you had a backup generator at a data center or maybe a hospital and never power was lost to the national grid, that location was supplied power by their microgrid. But at other times, utility could use it to help support their network in case one of their other power plants were to go down or encounter some type of an accident. Okay. So another way to think about this, Roderick, is this a, a way to look at free, well, quote-unquote free, free from, for the, from the grid potentially, but a way to generate energy without having to pay a utility company to get this energy, or particularly electricity. Is that correct, Roderick? That is exactly correct. Uh, you, you generate your own uh, energy within your own grid. Like I said, it's, uh, a microgrid is effectively a very, very small version of really what the, the overall electrical grid is. Uh, you're powering up your distributed energy resources. So that is correct. Okay. Uh, you would cut out the electric company at that particular time. Okay. And then we can get into a little bit more about the, the money part of it, but is how, what's the cost typically to set up uh, a microgrid system, and how much can a, um, a reliable microgrid system support? Now, to, before we get into that, tell us how much energy do you guys um, support in your microgrid systems? When you teach uh, veterans how to build microgrid systems, how much um, appliances, how much energy does it produce? Can you run your whole house off of it? Is it could you run a village off of it? Where, what's the scale of this thing? That's for, well, it's, for actually a, it's a pretty complicated question, to be honest with you, but uh, let me kind of ask you a question in return. Uh, do you have a cell phone? Yes. How long does it last throughout the day? About, uh, well, it lasts about maybe 24 hours to 36 hours. Now, let's say you were watching videos the whole day. About how long would it last? About two hours. All right. So, essentially, depending on what your load is, the size of your battery, even though it stayed constant, is going to change how long you can last, right? Mm-hmm. So size of your microgrid really depends on what load you plan to meet. Okay. Uh, oftentimes, when you're talking about like emergency response or uh, trying to kind of shave costs, and everything would get to cost a little bit later. But uh, what you're doing is you need to try to identify what your critical loads or your most important need is. Mm-hmm. And then that's what we do. at our boot camp, we work to microgrids anywhere from one kilowatt, which would be the same as a microwave, um, all the way up to 50 kilowatts, which would be the same for. Fifty microwaves. Um, what was that you said? Fifty kilowatts does what? Uh, what maybe fifty microwaves? That was uh, oh, fifty microwaves. Okay, right. But no, if you if you put it in the term of house, um, most houses in America are probably somewhere between four to seven kilowatts of usage, okay. and that's considered usage with an air conditioner going on. So uh, Phoenix in the middle of summer is a little bit more than that because our air conditioners don't stop. Mm-hmm. But uh, about ten houses worth of power is the size we can get up to in our during our boot camp. Oh, that is amazing to me. So, so I would think that a lot of veterans would be interested in this, not just veterans, but civilians would be interested in this. What are some of the hurdles, uh, Roderick, that people have to face when trying, or what are some of the, the, um, the upfront things you need to know about before you start getting into microgrid systems? Well, as Alexander said earlier, you know, you need to kind of understand what the load is going to be, mm-hmm. uh, what you're trying to serve. You need to understand what your requirements are, uh, what's mission critical, what can't be powered down, and, you know, there are a lot of different uh, components that can uh, comprise a microgrid, so you need to determine what's best. I mean, it could be diesel generators, it could be wind, it could be solar, it could be hydrogen fuel cells that could, that compose your microgrid, so you need to understand uh, what it's doing, uh, what need it's, it's serving, and uh, how much you know, of, of load that it has to, has to serve. Okay. So walk us through the process then. So if a veteran wants to uh, um, go to your boot camp and wants to power, have enough electricity to power his home, his home, you said normally a normal home is about between about four kilowatts possibly. 
So maybe he needs three, three kilowatts to power his house. Um, what, is, what are the steps for him to do that? What types of uh, things would he need, um, depending on where his ge- geography is or where his part, where part of the country is? is, he, is he, he's in the Midwest in Chicago. You know, what types of infrastructure and facilities and equipment does he need to do that? Right now, residentially, you know, the most prevalent, the most prevalent renewable technology is solar, you know, by far. Um, and, you know, there are a host of companies out there uh, that could provide services for solar. Uh, if they just, you know, wanted to get solar for their, for their residents, uh, if they wanted to learn about the program as a veteran, then that's where the LEAPS program come into play, comes into play. What was that called, the LEAPS program? LEAPS, uh, Laboratory for Energy and Power Solutions. Okay. So L-E-A, yes. Okay. Uh, that's out of the State University. Um, and if you're asking for more of a, a procedural process, mm-hmm. uh, step one would be identifying your energy needs, uh, and that includes, and you can look at that from your historical utility bill. Uh, what hours of day do you use how much power? It's pretty straightforward there. Uh, and then you look at what resources are available to you, and that's anything from sun, wind, uh, battery storage, etc. And then what's your budget? And from that, you can start developing a plan uh, after a little bit more in-depth instruction. That's one thing that I do like about our boot camp is we take this uh, seemingly connected facts and give them a cleaner roadmap of how to assemble them together. Okay. And before we get further in the conversation, I want you guys to tell us how to get a hold of you. How do we find the boot camp and where do we go for the boot camp? Uh, the best way to get a hold of us is through our website, uh, leap.asu.edu. So leaps.asu.edu, and that's our main website. Uh, we should have a uh, method of contact right there. Otherwise, um, people are free to email me. I can try to get you my email address. I can throw it in chat so you can send it up, and I can get you onto our mailing list. All right, great. And then so now what are the costs for, for say, a typical system? We're talking about, say, a, it's a one-house, three-kilowatt, say, system. Um, and say you're using solar. All right, what are the, or, or walk me through this. What are the more expensive ways to do it, and what are the cheaper ways to do it as far as building uh, a system? That's right. Costs are going to be the technology you're using. Um, storage obviously increases the price drastically, and if you're taking advantage of any rebates, uh, that a lot of them, um, some of them are starting to go away, some of them are being renewed. Um, it's best to work with if you're trying to do this by yourself. It's not recommended because you need to have a conversation with the utility. Okay. Uh, if you start trying to take away power or put power onto their network, um, that can cause problems. They said it can cause problems if you take power away from the network, you said? If you put power, if you're trying to put power back into it. Okay. So some partners can take power from the utility, and some of them can push back as well. And if you push back power when they don't know that you're doing that, that's a safety issue. Okay. Now, some some uh, um, people I know, and I've looked at this many times for this for real estate that I worked on myself, you can actually sell power back to the grid if you create a system and link it to the grid. Um, and I have a few questions around that, but Roderick, so tell us about that part of it. How is it, is that, I know in some states I've read about, uh, there actually was backlash or, or some kind of, uh, some type of uh, uh, um, delays, I guess you would say, put by the utility companies who weren't really receptive of people selling uh, energy back to the grid, like in certain states. Yeah, it, really de- it really depends on where you are, what utility you're dealing with. Uh, they're all different. Uh, the the it's called net metering, though, when you sell back to the grid. Some uh, will allow you, they pay you money. 
some of them just give you credit on top of your your, your ordinary bill. Mm-hmm. So um, that is a way to, to generate revenue or generate credits okay. with that. And is that something consistent? So for a lot of people that have that I've talked to had questions about, you know, is it when you set up a system like this in your home, or if you are able to, if you're able to do that, and we'll go into what it costs more in detail a little bit later. But when you do something like this, does the the um, is it is it is it a consistent and reliable service that you can create for yourself? Again, I like like Alexander said earlier, it really depends on the utility that you're dealing with. So before you even consider that, you would need to look at all the the uh, regulations and requirements from the utility, the specific utility that you're dealing with. Okay. Uh, there are also all kind of uh, incentives. There are tax incentives, so I would uh, look to do some research on that. There are federal incentives. could be some state and local incentives based on your location. Yeah. So if you were going to be considering that, uh, I would look at that uh, uh, pretty, you know, pretty intensely before uh, making a move. Okay. So, so there's a lot of research then basically that a homeowner has to do or the person has to do in order to find out whether or not this makes sense for them. Yes. Okay. That is correct. Um, another, another thing, kind of answer an earlier question, you were asking about generic costs, mm-hmm. and this is with an average. You're looking at anywhere from 2 and a half to $3 per watt of energy is currently around the average cost we've seen in the market for just a solar-only system. But also keep in mind, solar is only going to function while the sun's up mm-hmm. or while you have clear sun. So if you're looking for something to completely separate from the grid, you need to look into a storage option. And the battery pricing can be vastly different depending on what supplier you go with, what company can actually coordinate with. Okay. Now, have you seen any um, increases or, 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 uh, or changes in the pricing since the pandemic and also since we've had supply chain shortages across the country and around the world? I've seen a little bit of uh, increase in pricing for uh, anyone who wants to do rush shipping, uh, and I've seen delays in equipment coming in, um, but I haven't been looking directly at any actual solar cost decrease okay. or, uh, or increase. Generically, over the years, solar has been coming down in, cro- and down in price and up in efficiency. Okay. Uh, same thing with battery storage. Okay. So where do you see solar 10 years from now? Do you think this is something that a lot of Americans will participate in? Or do you see it as where it is right now? And this is a question for both you, Roderick and Alexander. Oh, certainly. The adoption, you know, has has uh, been like a, a hockey stick kind of adoption, right? Started off kind of slow, uh, and then now it's it's accelerated. One, because of the, the incentives. Uh, two, because of the familiarity with the technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's it, definitely in 10 years you'll see more people. And the electric companies themselves are kind of incentivizing people to get off the grid. Because that they want to generate less, okay. so uh, I, I, I certainly see more of this. This technology and other types of renewable energy technologies, uh, apart from from solar as well. Now, also one thing that we, we see in the in the, in the media, uh, and uh, Alexander, I want to get your thought on this as well. Uh, people, these, Biden has a big proposal, one trillion dollar infrastructure package that's been approved by the Senate. And then part of that package, something like seventy four billion dollars, is allocated towards clean energy, renewable energy, things like that. How do you see that improving the uh, what you guys do and the work that you do, and also what what changes and what do you hope to see is the end result of this infrastructure spending? Well, uh, ideally, um, utilities have been looking into their own version of microgrids. Uh, I know that the ones in Arizona have both uh, been putting a lot of them in place, and so not only does that help stabilize the utility itself, because you're essentially putting more distributed points of energy generation. Uh, it also helps increase the, uh, the need for people who understand that career space. 
so it's a good opportunity for job creation. Uh, infrastructure is always going to be a bit of a, a sticky widget when it comes to utilities because we can't exactly turn the whole thing off and fix it for a while and turn the whole thing back on. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty much working on a constantly operated, operating system, which is very hard to maintain. Um, I do see that the desire for new different renewables and clean energy will sometimes come down to each region and what they have available to them. Uh, and one example of that is uh, certain regions in California have an excess production of solar where in the middle of the day they have too much. They actually pay Arizona to take some of their energy so that they can maintain their, their standard generator operations that can handle an in-Russian power. Um, so it really comes to kind of making sure everyone's playing along nice and balancing it while still maintaining the fact that they are companies and they have to pay employees. So it's, a, it's an interesting balancing act. But with utilities giving access to funding, specifically earmarked for clean energy, I expect to see a lot more microgrids go into the networks. Okay. And then, so Roderick, now in, your, in your work in the military, you were trained on a lot of different things ranging from um, microgrid energy and things like along those lines. So when you're training in the military, how did that help you and prepare you for the career that you chose today? Um, it gave me some structure. It didn't directly, uh, you know, I wasn't directly taught about electrification, although I was an electronics engineer uh, in the Navy. But it did give me some structure and provided me some background in uh, basic electronics and electricity uh, to get me started on where I am today. Uh and a program, I am a recent participant, actually, in the LEAPS boot camp, uh, the, the microgrid boot camp at the LEAPS, uh, for the LEAPS program. And I can attest to, I mean, they take you from zero to 100, like, really fast. But they uh, have all the supporting information. And I can say, overall, it's one of the best experiences I, I've had uh, in, in this training so far. So you took the information you got from the LEAPS program, and then you, and you turned that into the, your boot camp? Is that, is that my seeing that right? Or is how no, no, we went, there was a boot camp. The boot camp is, is put on by uh, the LEAPS program okay. then, at Arizona State University. They right. conduct the microgrid boot camp. All right. And how uh, long is the program? It's a week. A week, we oh, a one yeah. week? Wow, that's it. Wow. Yeah. I think it's going to be like, a, like a, right. a quarter or something like that. You said one week. That's a lot of information to learn in a it, week. It's an intense. It's an intense week. You have to be ready to learn and open. But I mean, the information comes at you in waves. Okay. Uh, and one of the, the greatest things is the contacts that you make once once you're there with the other veterans, um, because it's, it's pretty veteran centric. Um, and you know the contacts you make with the people that run the program, who who uh, keep you know in contact with people in the industry. So uh, it, it's a wonderful experience altogether. You know, I recommend it for any veteran. Absolutely. Then both you, Roderick and Alexander, how has this changed your lives personally? So you've got this information, got this knowledge, and you, you're participating in this boot camp. How does that how does that change your personal lives and how you use energy, your knowledge about energy, what how you see the world? We were we're constantly talking about climate change and talk constantly talking about uh, the electrification of the world with electric cars and things like that. And China and the, and the media, we're talking, we see that there's burnouts and brownouts because there's not enough electricity in China. So you have hundreds of millions of people going without power because they're going through this energy crisis, serious energy crisis. So how has this experience and this information changed you personally and your perspective on the importance of getting a hold of the clean energy and what clean energy should mean to the average American? For me, well, for me personally, personally. Go ahead, Roger. Okay, for me personally, I know 
we have a mission to uh, help a lot of the populations of concern. Uh, a lot of the tribal entities here in California in particular, where we are located, are in air, located in areas that are shut down because of, you know, the power outages, you know, from the electric companies. Once the wind kicks up over, uh, you know, 20 miles an hour or so, they started shutting, uh, shutting down uh, power stations in order to, you know, make sure that n- no fires occur. Oh, and some of the people wow. who are most affected are those tribal areas who are, who are already stuck out in the middle of the, of the mountains, and they can be without power four or five days at a time just because the wind is high. Uh, so we're we're really been looking to work with them to help them to uh, you know create their own microgrid so they won't be at the behest of the electrical companies. Hmm. Alexander, how has that affected you, and how have you done it? For me, this training really changed the my entire industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I I initially was getting my engineering degree in electrical systems and planning to go into uh, higher education, um, and since. Starting with the lease program, I finally understood how power gets to my wall outlet. I knew it on a cursory level, but I didn't understand all of the nuance that went into it and how our reliance and our expectation of reliable power is very high in our country compared to others, and even within certain regions of our own country. Uh, We've done a lot of work globally, uh, including a project in northern Uganda, where they're having access just to 11 kilowatts of power for 18,000 people in a refugee camp was amazing and, and miraculous for them, whereas we, every time we flip a light switch, we expect it to turn on. We are spoiled to a degree. Wow, Alexander. And that, so, that's really, that's, that's, I think what you, just hit, what you said is just hit the nail on the head, and, and we are out of time, so I have to move on to the next segment. Oh. I really appreciate you guys coming in and also talking to us. Alexander Mobley and Rod Matthews, thank you very much, gentlemen, and look forward to continuing this conversation another day. Have a wonderful thank day. You. Thanks for having me. It's America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Cliff Kelly, Vietnam veteran and host of America's Heroes Group, the game changer in radio, print, and digital media programming. We are a roundtable talk show where information, resources, and referrals are provided intentionally every Saturday to empower our military population on WVON 1690 AM, the iHeart Radio app from 4 to 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Please visit our website at www.americashd.org. Hi, this is Cliff Kelly, the host of America's Heroes Group. If you or a loved one has been injured in an accident or the result of malpractice, you have only one chance to get the compensation you deserve. You need a law firm you can trust with experience and resources who will fight on your behalf. With a proven track record of excellence both in and out of the courtroom, call Seidman, Margulis, and Fairman at 312 312- 781-1977 for a free consultation or visit SeidmanLaw.net. That's Seidman, S-E-I-D-M-A-N, Law.net. Hey, Cliff, where can a veteran business owner go on the south side of Chicago for breakfast, lunch, and dinner meetings? I'm a veteran, and that's an easy answer. Pearl's Place on 39th and Michigan. Pearl's Place has free parking available across the street reasonably priced, quality food that tastes delicious. Veteran owners, there's no place like Pearl's Place. Governor of Talk Radio, your executive producer wants to know, where can I go for delicious shrimp? 
Any suggestions? Absolutely. The one and only veteran business owner, Harris Gulf Shrimp, at 7448 Vincennes. I personally eat there. The price and shrimp are nothing other than fantastic. Thank you, the one and only Governor of Talk Radio. Market, advertise, and sponsor your business with Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly and America's Heroes Group, where information and resources are intentionally disseminated via radio, print, and social media. Call our office for more details at 312-803-2618. Tayback Law is proud to sponsor and partner with Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly and America's Heroes Group. I'm attorney Monica Ireland Karras of Tayback Law. If you're a veteran and you have been wrongfully denied your VA benefits or you feel your condition was not properly evaluated by the VA, visit TaybackAttorneys.com. At Tayback Law, we fight for those who fought for us. 414-375-1735. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.